Once again, we want to say happy Sabbath. We thank God for this day. We thank God for his grace, his mercy, his assurance that he is king of king and Lord of lords. Amen. We want to turn our Bibles this morning to the book of Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to see something we might not have seen. We're talking about today living for God. We do a lot of things before we start living for God. But God is going to show us something today that we might want to focus upon because we are all those types of people who want to do something for God, right? Do something for his kingdom. But he said, I don't need you to do that until you live for me. So let's go to Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to see an example of the little sophistry of Satan. Satan is a very subtle entity. And, 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 and I'm going to show you something that might be a little surprising to you, but God gave it to me, so I, well, we're going to give it to you. It's in Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to read starting at verse 3. And when the tempter came to him, now who is the tempter? Okay, he said, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Of course, but, but uh, he, who is he? Jesus, he said, answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him up on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And verse 7 says, Jesus said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt what? Fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil did leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Now, we have read this account countless times, have we not? We've gone through it and dissected it for this and this and this, but I want you to know something. The devil... As God was sharing this with us, the devil doesn't mind you claiming Christianity. The devil doesn't mind you going to church. The devil doesn't mind you uh, having a, an evangelistic experience. You know, you go to the, 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 evangel uh, the, the revivals. He doesn't mind that at all. You know what he's concerned about? You actually living this stuff. And what he showed us here this morning was the devil didn't mind Jesus saying he was the son of God. But all he wanted to do was to show him how to be the son of God. That's why he doesn't mind you being a Christian. He just wants to show you how to be one. Oh, remember that night you went down and, and you felt the spirit in you and you came to the front for prayer and you want to turn your life around. The devil says, yes, you need to turn your life around. Let me show you how. Now, why is that a problem? You're, the devil is not going to show you the way. He's going to show you a way. The devil will make you busy in Christianity. He'll make you busy in the church. He'll make you busy doing for God instead of learning how to live for it. 
Big difference. Big difference. And we have to come to that understanding this morning. Less doing and more living. Living will cause you to do, won't it? But all but when you're living, your doing is blessed. When you're not living, your doing is mess. Can we grab that one? <laughs> we do too much without living enough. So everything we do in the name of the Lord is not motivated or inspired or controlled by the living nature of God. It's controlled by Satan whispering in your ear on how to be a Christian. It'll have you doing praise dances with gym shorts on in the church. It'll have you with a, uh, 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 that your, your, your people up front will be dancing and doing the modern day dances in the name of the Lord. Have you seen that before? It will have you, it will have you doing things that, that, that because you're in church and you feel a sensation and you say, I'm a Christian and I'm doing the things God asked me to do, it will have you do things you think are Christian, but because you haven't lived it, you don't know how to discern the good from the evil. But the devil says, let me keep telling you how to be Christian. Go to a Bible study, young man. That's what good Christians do. And you had a Bible study with a bunch of unconverted people. You ever been to one of those Bible studies? An unconverted Bible study? There's always a point being made. Whatever that point is, they all agree on it. None of them converted. Yeah, that's right. We, the, Lord, the Lord is good. Can I get some testimony? Hey, and then some got somebody over here testifying about this. And, and you notice all the testimonies talk about what I have done. Because people are busy doing for God and not living for God. Does that make a Bible study bad? No. But oh, when the Bible study is, is given the power from the on high, it's a different experience, isn't it? Stay in Matthew. Matthew 16. See, the devil will teach you how to, be, how to worship God. He's good at it, too, because he knows more about God than you do. You know why? He walked in the midst of the, of, of the furnace. He walked in the flames. He walked in the garden of God. He, he, he was right there. He knows God. He just refused him, didn't he? So he's going to whisper to you, this is how you do this. You got this whole book, and you got his spirit, but you want to do it another way. The devil will convince you that, no, this is, don't do it that way. Don't spend your time there. Go over here because they, they have a feeling message. They can teach you how to rejoice in the Lord. Now what? You don't know how to live for God. Were we 16 Matthew? Let's go 21. 16 Matthew, starting at verse 21. The Lord said, from, uh, it's an example of doing, but not living. From the time forth, Jesus began, began Jesus, I'm sorry, to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. See, that was the way that the son was worshiping the father. Why? Because that was the plan from heaven. 
okay? He was trying to explain the plan from heaven. Now, the brothers had been walking with him these many years, but they really didn't understand the plan of heaven because the plan of heaven didn't quite sit with what they wanted to do. Okay? Now, look at, look at verse 22. Then Peter, now, Peter was a disciple. Peter was one of the inner circle disciples. Okay? So he had done, he had walked and done things in the name of the Lord, hasn't he? He'd been with God. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration, was he not? You can't get much closer than that. Let's see what happened to Peter. He said, then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Why? Because the devil had whispered in his ear how to be a Christian instead of him knowing and living for God, and God can teach him how to be a Christian. And it looked like that was an act of love on Peter's part. Because Jesus said, man, it's about to get rough on me. I'm going to go in here. Man, they're going to beat me. They're going to tear my beard out. I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to be resurrected. It's going to be all right, y'all. No, I love you so much. No, we will not let this happen to you. <laughs> and people thought, Peter thought that was what? a righteous thing to do. He, Peter thought that, no, Lord, you know me. We're going down together. Nobody's going to do that to you. But Jesus had just shared with him the plan of salvation, the way to worship, the way that it is going to be. And so let's see, after that love fest that Peter was trying to have, let's see what Jesus did with this. Verse 23, but he, Jesus, turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, who? Satan. Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be what? He checked that spirit, because he knew that spirit was whispering in Peter's ear how to be a Christian. Do you see how close you can be and be wrong as you can be? See, the doing is not enough. The living, the living must be there. You must be connected to that vine so you'll know error from truth. You won't go from feeling. You'll go through faith. Jesus said, man, I got to go through this. And Peter said, no, man, you don't have to. He said, you're a lying spirit, Satan. Peter hadn't learned to live it yet. He was doing, though, wasn't he? Peter was at every meeting, right? Peter sat on the board. Peter helped make decisions. Peter was there saying, okay, I'm going to cut you if you mess with him. You know, Peter was really involved in this. But Peter was listening to the wrong spirit. Doing and living, two different things. Stay in Matthew. And this is what happens when those... In the end time, when, when Christ comes, when he returns to pick up his people, those who lived him and not just did him, people who had an inside and not just an outside, he said, this is what's going to happen. We're back in Matthew 7. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Are we all right so far? The living is more than just the doing. We got to be careful because we are the most doing people. And that's a good thing. Do you know that God loves our doing? Enthusiasm? But our doing can be damaging if we're not living. 
We'll get out there and be doing, we'll stand on street corners. None of us would have a problem standing on a street corner talking about Jesus. Give, give somebody a, a bullhorn and they got a message. I said, I, I can use that. I can use that. But Peter, there's more for you to learn. Because we don't want to be these people in Matthew 7. Let's begin in verse 22. Matthew 7, verse 20 says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? But look at this. You mean that you can prophesy and cast out devils and be wrong? And in the name done many wonderful works. A lot of doing in here, isn't it? There was a whole lot of doing. There was some activity here. There was some, there's some good stuff happening in here. But verse 23 said, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Strange, isn't it? How could that be? That we could do God's work and he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. How could that be? Because we're not living. We're not connected to the vine. We are more, in, more enthused about the activity and the doing than the surrendering that it takes to do it right. We get all geeked and excited. And that's a good thing. There's no problem with that. God does not mind our enthusiasm. He just wants it to be led and by who? The Holy Spirit. That's all. Because you can be very enthusiastic and run right off a bridge. Well, God, save me. I, I, I told you, don't do that. But I didn't really hear you because I was busy doing the Christian thing. I was busy raising up churches. I was busy baptizing. I was busy testifying. I was out here praying for people. He said, I never knew you. Wouldn't that be a, 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 a jarring statement to hear? about our lives, I never knew you. No, Lord, no, no. He said, you knew my enemy, and my enemy trained you on how to follow me. Now, does that make any sense? My enemy trained you to follow me? You think any enemy is gonna train you to follow his enemy? <laughs> no. There's a difference in doing for God and living for God. An unconverted heart can do a lot of damage in the name of the Lord. So where does it begin? Created me a what? Clean heart. And renew in me a right spirit. If we're going to do this work, conversion is necessary. Conversion comes from submission. How dare we stand? How dare we stand in the face of our God and say we know what we're doing? God says, you haven't begun to even know my name yet. Yet, you're out here proclaiming it. Go to Exodus, if you would. Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. This is what happens when we do damage. <laughs> this is what happens. Because when we go to and get saved, isn't that the word in Christianity? 
When we go to Thursday night revival, and we come to the front and say, Lord, I, want, I surrender all, Lord. I want you to give my life to you, Lord. Nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, we need to go back there. We need to be taught again. We need to go back to wherever you found God and start from there. But when we get all hyped, we run out of the gate like a pony, not knowing where we're going. We're just hyped. Yeah, oh yes, Lord, oh yes, Lord. I read a little bit, okay, I'm gonna do that. I read a little bit. And what happens is this. When they left Egypt, the Exodus was an evangelistic experience. All of Egypt saw the Lord, did they not? Everybody was hyped about the Lord, either one way or the other. And what you got was called, let's, let's read this, Exodus chapter 12, let's start at verse 37. Exodus 12, and we'll begin at verse 37. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men besides children. So there were 600,000 men with the children and the wives. That's a lot of folk. This was a monumental evangelistic effort. Verse 38, he said a mixed multitude went up also with them. And flocks and herds, even very much cattle. A mixed multitude. Unconverted hearts got caught up in the excitement of Exodus. Wouldn't you? You saw all these miracles and all these, uh, what do you call them, plagues? Man, that's God. I'm going with him. It's like a Thursday night revival session. You have mixed multitudes coming down on Thursday night. You got people come down here, man, I just, man, I, just, I need to turn my life around, man. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, remember that? I'm going to come down here and, you know, Lord going to help me. Mixed multitude. Now what happened? What did the mixed multitude do for 40 years? It was not converted. They complained and murmured. Then they infected the others. So only two of the original 600,000 made it over. See, that's what unconversion can destroy a move. Unconverted hearts can destroy what you think Christianity is. Conversion is a critical element. Critical element. Giving your heart to God and submitting to his will is critical when you're talking about doing the work of God. Because God will have you do things that your understanding won't allow you to, 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 to accomplish. And the worst thing you can be is unconverted and smart. I mean, smart in, in your own mind and what the world says smart. Smart in your ignorance, that's a better way of putting it. Why? Because you won't listen. When we talked about this morning, uh, uh, Sister Wanda, that you cannot ref, uh, repent if you don't believe you haven't made it already. You are a, I, I know. So why, what are you talking to me about repentance? And what do we say? 
Without the acceptance of John the Baptist's message, you cannot accept Jesus' message. If you do not learn to repent, you will never see Jesus. And this is where we are. If we don't learn to live God and live in God, we will never be successfully effective in working and doing for God. There'd be a lot of activity, stream amount of activity, souls brought into the building, amen? amen. Baptized folks, man, they'd be, be flooded up here. But we're not converting souls because we're not converting ourselves. How do we love the Lord? How do we live for God? First things first, go to Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. How do we live for God? Because we do want to live and do, don't we? How do we live for God? When we meet God and, and God finally gets our attention and we say, well, Lord, we want to do, do right. I want to know what right is. He said, okay, Proverbs 3, 5 is a good place for us to start. He said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and do what? Lean not unto thine own understanding, because your own understanding has gotten you where? In need of a savior. Amen? Then he says, if you can do that, let's go to verse 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Meaning that check with him. Acknowledge him like, okay, this is your, okay, yeah, this is a way I can go, because you approve of it. Not... I'm going somewhere, God bless my way. You know how we do, we make a plan and then say God bless this plan. And the plan is straight from the depths of hell, but we want God to bless it. And then we want mad at God because he didn't. Well, Lord, I had faith in you. No, you didn't have faith in me. You wanted me to put a stamp of approval on your foolishness and on your understanding. Didn't I tell you to do what? Lean not to thy own understanding. Trust in me. And I know you wanted to leave Tuesday. Trust in me. Because <laughs> Tuesday ain't a good day. No, I got to. See, I'm, I'm getting in the car, Lord. I need, you to be, I need you to bless me with traveling mercies. So I can go down here and do for you. God said, you didn't ask me if I needed you to go. You had made up your mind. I'm going. You ever done that before? Get down there and make somebody a two-fold child of hell more than you. And then somebody else got to come behind you and fix it. God said, if you just left Thursday, see, I already had my servant coming. And what I gave you to say would have been right on time, but you jumped the gun. Start back again. You ever played a game called Monopoly? And you get, to, you know, you have a card that tells you to go back to the beginning. God says, here's your card. Go back where I, I met you. Because you are hard-headed, stubborn, and rebellious in the name of the Lord. He said, all thy ways acknowledge him. And then he said, verse 7, he said, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. See, we want to do without departing from evil. So when we do for God and we haven't departed from evil, what are we doing? Evil. I know it looks good. I know somebody got fed. I know somebody got some clothes. I, I said, you're not doing it 
the way I ask you to do it. And that is so important. Obedience is extremely important when following God because the power comes with it. See, we think our actions or our doing is what converts souls. It is the power that's in an obedient soul that converts souls. Verse 8 says, it shall be what? Health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. It would be very nourishing to you if we do it this way. Go to Psalms 37. God says, I put it in my word how I want you to do it. Don't let the devil whisper to you and say, you're ready. Go do it. Go and conquer, young man. Go and conquer, young woman. I, I know you want to be this. Let me show you how. And the devil will come in a subtle, smooth, spiritual way. And if you're not connected to the vine, that spiritual nature of Satan will give you a sensation of what? Faith. Well, I, I felt it in my soul. Anybody say that before? No, no y'all wouldn't say that. Somebody heard that before. I felt it. The, I felt the Lord speaking to me. Now, you are branch, the vine way across the street. But it's a, it's, a, it's a supernatural sensation that we have mistaken for Jesus. Oh, Satan can, can, can elevate you on a, on a plane that you swear it would, had to be righteous. But because we didn't do it how God wanted us to do it. And we're not trying to limit people. You know, we're not saying, well, you have to go through this. this. No, we're just reading this. This is God's plan. I'm not telling you to go to a seminary. I'm not telling you, well, you have to come here and you have to finish 18 hours of this. I'm not, I'm saying God has a way and we better learn that way if we're going to do anything for the kingdom. Psalm 37, verse 3. What did he say? He said, trust in the Lord. Isn't that our biggest problem? We don't want to wait on the Lord. We want to do for the Lord. Not trusting in the Lord. God, I know I need to do this. I'm gone. You know, God waiting at the front door like, Where, where'd you go? Trust in the Lord and do good in that order. How can you do good without trusting who is good? So shall thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Then he says in verse 4, we talked about this this morning. Delight thyself also in the Lord. We talked about being enthusiastic and wanting to find more about him. Delight thyself in the Lord. And what? And he'll give you the desires of your heart. See, that's our deal. I want to serve you, Lord. My desire is to serve you. He said, well, first delight yourself in me. Then I'll give you the desires of your heart. You see, because right now I haven't put that new heart in you. And the desire, the best intentions of an evil heart are still evil. He said, let me fix that first. So when you ask me, I can say, go. Don't you want that experience? Wouldn't you love to wake up in the morning and know you're doing what he asked you to do without question? Because what? You're following the order. So, Lord, thank you. He said, okay, now, we'll put this in your heart. <laughs> Let's do this. And you know it's him. You can't wait to get up. You don't even want to sleep. 
Okay, I'm going to tell you something in the morning. And you know, you're like a little kid at Christmas. <laughs> I can't sleep. God's about to give me something in the morning. Wouldn't you want that? Verse 5, he said something else. He said, commit thy way unto the Lord. So you have now given up your way. You're now committed to following his way. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You see the order of God? Live for God. This is how we live for God. Let him be in charge. Are we type A personalities? Let God be in charge. What do you think we can handle that? Just let him have it. Just let him have it. What else can we do? What does Hebrews tell us? Hebrews 12. Who am I hearing? Let God be in charge. Hebrews 12. Verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience. Now, have you ever heard those two things put together before in your life? <laughs> run with patience. But that's what he asked us to do. He said, run with patience the race that is set before us. Who set this race? Let's keep reading. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who set the race? Jesus. Who decided how to run the race? Jesus. Who picked you for the race? Jesus. Who is going to finish the race with you? Jesus. He said, I am the author and the finisher. So let me lead. Amen? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now what happened if Jesus, see Jesus knew what the end of this thing was going to be. What happens he just skipped the ministry and just went to the cross? Father, I know doing, I know doing means, you know, I know we're going to have to go up on this cross, so as soon as I got baptized, I walked straight to Calvary. Because that was the end of it, right? That, that was the doing of it. That's what I was going to have to do. That's what I've been assigned to do. What happens if he would have done that? We would have missed everything. Because first of all, he would have been disobedient, and that would have canceled his messiahship. Second, we wouldn't have had all the things we have now that talks about what he is. See, he let his father lead him, even though he knew the script. <coughs> let us let him lead us. Amen? He said, he said, look, for the joy that was set before me, I endured the cross. I despised the shame. Now I'm set down on the right hand of the throne. He said, for verse 3 says, for consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. He said, look, every time you get tired of living for God, consider Jesus. You know, what, what did he do? He endured these, these contradictions. He, he, he went through all of these things. When you get weary of well-doing, Remember Jesus. 
And then we, further down it says, you know, you haven't striven under blood, under sin. So, you know, all that complaining you're talking about when God's trying to say be patient and run with patience. You know, we get upset with God about that. We want to run. Just run. I'm running for Jesus. You're on the wrong track. But you're running. You had a good time. Your 100-meter your, your dash was 9-5. That's good. But you on the wrong, you ain't even right stadium. God said, run with patience. Move. You're going to be moving, but you're going to wait on me to move. You're going to hear my voice. You're going to acknowledge me. You're, all your ways are going to acknowledge him. You're not going to lean to your understanding. I'm going to tell you how to put the left foot in front of the right foot. But I know how to run. What do you mean? <laughs> Help us, Lord. Be patient and let him lead. Let him lead us through this process. Because it's indeed a process. Let's stop at Peter, Second Peter. Second Peter. This is a process. We studied this when? I'm testing y'all now. When do we study this? When did we study 2 Peter chapter 1? Hmm. Wednesday night Bible study. That was a test. Survey said. <laughs> Wednesday night Bible studies are something we might want to consider dealing with. As our dear sister calls it, the, the midweek snack. But we studied this in depth Wednesday night, but we want to touch on it just a little bit before we close. Be patient and let him lead us through the process. Live for God before we start getting busy doing for God. If Satan will run to Jesus and try to get him and try to teach him how to serve, what do you think he's doing for us? It didn't work on Jesus because why? He was connected. He didn't leave his father. He didn't get all excited about doing his father's work without his father. What, is, what madness is that? All right, 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1, we begin at verse 4. There's a process that he leads us. I am the author and finisher. Here is thy process. I've been teaching you all morning about how to do this. We're going to end with this in 2 Peter 1. He says in verse 4, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That's what we learned this morning. He said, hey, man, if you do it this way, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and I'll direct your path. He said, if you commit your way unto the Lord, I'll give you the desires of your heart. These are these exceeding great and precious promises that God has for his people who will let him lead. That by these ye might be partakers of my divine nature. Isn't that what we're supposed to be? As we do God's will, we ought to have his nature. He said, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, 
See, you got all the promises. I've already given you your instructions, and I've told you how to do this, and I have brought you out of this. If you let me lead, you can stop lusting after the excitement of God and start living for the life of God. He said, and in verse 5, he says, and besides this, giving all diligence. What is diligence? stick to own it all the time, every day God. Remember we talked about that in Sabbath school this morning. God is an everyday God, every moment God. Diligence, you got to stay with him. You can't quit. You can't pick him up on Sabbath and put him down Saturday night. You can't pick him up Wednesday at Bible study and then put him down Thursday. He said, I need you to be diligent. And with all diligence, add to your faith virtue. That virtue is manliness. That virtue is, is, is royalty. It's priest-like. He said, add to that faith that way of doing things. You won't be yelling at people. <laughs> you ever been in Bible study people just yell at you in the name of the Lord? Y'all fine brimstone. Y'all just don't know. Or, or Bible study, we save, everybody else lost. That's not virtuous. God, I, we're not talking about snobbiness either. There's a royalty about those filled with the Spirit of God, a regalness. Y'all, that's true. I was sharing with the brothers Wednesday night and sisters Wednesday night. I have met some royalty before, princes of this, and, you know, princes of this Kuwait and all. They're not stuck up. They just act differently because they are royalty. They're not snobs. I mean, the good guys that we, we met, they just been trained to walk this way. They walk differently. You know, Prince, we walking like this. You know, pants sagging, you know. They walk regally. They talk that way. Not trying to put anybody down. It's just that they have been trained. That's called a virtuous position, and we need to add that to our faith. Our faith tells us how to live, and that's part of it. We need to walk like we're representing the throne of God. We are sons and daughters of a most high God. Shouldn't there be a difference? You ought to come in here with so much spirit in you that people just like, oh, what is that? <laughs> but we come in here making sure they see us. Yes, put that down, you, you terrible human we got a lot to learn, people. Unfortunately, it's just a short time to learn it. But God promised we'd learn it quickly. He said, also what? He said, this, this, this particular thing, he said, I need you to add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge. You need to learn how to approach God when you are searching for his word. You can't just any kind of way look for his Bible. Didn't God tell us, didn't he teach us a long time ago that precept must be upon precept? Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Did he not teach us that, that he said the fathers will make known the truth to the children? These little nitpicks that we just go glance over, he said there's a way of gathering knowledge from me. Come my way and I'll show you. The sanctuary teaches us that. How many doors in the sanctuary? One. You come in that what? That front gate. You can't come in any other way. Now, all the knowledge and wisdom and everything inside that gate, you jump over the side of it, you get consumed. You don't get it. 
because the sanctuary studies teach us the process of this thing. Remember, that's what we learned in, our, in the foundations class, the process. So God says, look, I need you to do something. To come at me for knowledge, I need you to come at me with faith. I need you to come with me with diligence. I need you to come with me in virtue. And verse 6 says, and to knowledge, temperance. And that's temperance in all things, even coming at me. And the temperance is not because God can't show you. It's just he knows you. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle all this right now. He said, be temperate. When I talk to you, that's enough for the day. No, Lord, I'm ready for some more. He said, you don't even know what I just said. How are you ready for some more? He said, it's all right. Just slow your roll. I mean, and, and we have to understand something. God is in charge of time. We get that? God is. I mean, the one who, who, who set the stars and set the moon and set the sun and, and set the planet. He said, I got it. But we, but, 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 but. I ain't got enough time, Lord. I got to learn this now. As if he is not in charge of time. So let's be temperate in all things. In knowledge, temperance, and in temperance, what? Patience. Oh, without patience, you can throw temperance out the door. Why do you need patience? Luke 21, 19 says, In your patience possess ye your soul. Patience. And it's not just the younger people who don't have patience. See, young people don't have patience because they're excited. They want to move on. Hey, hey man, Lord, we can do this. Let's build the kingdom. Give me a brick. <laughs> but the patience of the older people. Lord, I, you know, I, whew, I'm tired. I need, can you hurry up? <laughs> so I can go sit down somewhere. Patience is needed. Patience. Wait on God. He said, add to your knowledge, temperance, and the temperance, patience, and patience, what? Now, you can't do godliness without these first other steps, can you? We try, though. We want to be godlike. We want to be goodly doers, don't we? Without patience, without temperance, without virtue, without knowledge, without faith. God said, let me walk, let me lead you through this. Because when you start doing godly deeds and you don't have faith, godly deeds are going to put you in situations where you're going to need some faith. I just wanted to do right. But you have no faith. And so when the people put the handcuffs on you, then what are you going to do? All your godliness goes out the window. But, 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 but I, I, I just playing. <laughs> no, I wasn't. You know, <laughs> you know I, just, I was tripping, man. You know, you know, I ain't really with that. Because you, you don't have the faith that it takes to stand against the results of your doing. Can we say amen to that? And verse 7 says, And to godliness, brotherly kindness. Isn't that the first thing we try to do when we find the Lord? Brother, brother, let me hug you, brother. Oh, oh sister, we family. Zippo faith, zero knowledge. You don't even know how to recognize a family member. But Jesus gave us, he said, look, you're my mother and my brother, those who do what? The will of my father. No, we're embracing everybody. Come on, we all sing kumbaya, let's do this. He said, you got neighbors and you got brothers. Know who to embrace. 
but you don't know who you embrace because you don't have the knowledge of what's good and what's evil. Why? Because you didn't have diligence. You didn't have faith. You didn't come at it right. Now you're hugging a snake and, that, and then mad because you got bit. Lord, you told me to love everybody. He said, I told you to love everybody. I did. But I told you how to love everybody. First of all, you don't even know what love is. You think affection is love. You think emotion is love. Love is a spirit. Of course you'll love everybody if you're full of the spirit of God, because that's what the spirit of God does. And godly, godliness, brotherly kindness. And here we go again. And to brotherly kindness, what? Ain't that the big word? Love. Let us love one another. As Christ loved us, let us love one another. Isn't that a very true statement? Wouldn't it be incumbent upon us to find out how Christ loved us? Here is the process. Here is the plan. See, Christ could love because he knew what love was. Why? Because he listened to the one, the God who is love. Let us listen to that love. For if these things be in you and abound, you know, don't just be in you and don't do anything with them, but if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall what? Neither be barren nor unfruitful in the what? Knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? You'll never be unfruitful. Because your desire was to what? Be fruitful. He said, you'll never be unfruitful if you do it this way. Now let's keep reading. Verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind, like Peter, blind. Far be it from you, Lord, blind, and cannot see afar off. There's no way you can understand what the plan is because you haven't done it the way I ask you to do it and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. See, we become individuals who are godly, quote me, what is these things called? Quotation marks. <laughs> godly. And we run off and forget where we came from. And then when we're out here doing God's work, we condemn everybody we see because look at that alcoholic. <laughs> God doesn't have any alcoholics in the kingdom. What are you doing? Forgetting where you came from. You out here spewing evil. At least they just spewing alcohol. He said, see, if you don't do it this way, if you don't set in your heart the love of God, you'll forget where you came from. And then when you're out here trying to do God's work, you destroy many. Every time I see somebody in the grips of things I used to be in grips with, man, I can't wait to tell them. Not to condemn them, just to tell them. Man, let me tell you a story. Man, and you know what today? I don't do that, but I still need the same help we all need. Let's see if we can help each other get through this. Don't break off into a barbecue joint and start cussing folk out. In the name of the Lord, of course. This is a picket, picket sign outside of a church. You all worship on the wrong day. The Sabbath is the Sabbath. God said, where did you get that from? Because you did not add to your faith virtue. 
and your virtue knowledge. First, you didn't give diligence and faith. You didn't want to wait on me. You got an idea. I gave you some truth and you ran off with it without wisdom. We started this morning simply talking about this, living for God. Satan is a master to tell you how to be a Christian. Stay close to God. Be connected to that vine. And we'll be okay, won't we? And verse 10 says, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, what happens? Can you imagine not falling? He said, if you do these things, you'll never fall. You will be a, a weapon in the hand of the God that we serve. Don't you want to be that? And you want to do it right? Aren't we tired of condemning? I mean, giving God a bad name? All of us have done this, have we not? Well, I'll testify. Some of us don't, you know, some of us holy. Uh, I have destroyed thousands of people in the name of the Lord. That's what happens when you're on a, a national radio show. You get to talk to people. Yes, and you need to be doing this, and this, and this, and la la blah, 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 in the name of the Lord. God said, son, I didn't really ask y'all to do that. And now, what do we have to do? Go back. Isn't that a, isn't that a lot of energy? You had to go back and tell people you were wrong, because you really, you are wrong, and you say, Lord, forgive me. Give me an opportunity to tell them that I was wrong and that this is the right way. Why don't we just do the right thing first time? We've all destroyed in the name of the Lord. Now let's go back and meet God where we met him. And then he can use us. We can live for him. And guess what will happen? Then we can do for him. Amen? Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you for taking the time to tune us in today. We pray that you've been blessed by the word. If you would like more of these sermons, please check us out on our YouTube page, download our podcast, and like and share us on Facebook and Twitter. May God bless you today and forevermore.